In today's show, we're looking ahead to Saturday, a very busy Saturday with 11 games on, the streaming options, the injury updates, all of that stuff. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to talk about Saturday. There are 11 games on. It's a lot of stuff for a Saturday. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Alright, Nuggets Sixes is the first game up. Last time we saw Denver, there's a lot of blokes out for them. That shouldn't be the case in this one. Maga Porter Jr. is off the injury report. He's missed the last couple for personal reasons. Big Chungus Nikola Jokic is probable. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is probable. The thing we have to look at there is that Jamal Murray is questionable with a hip issue. That's a little bit worrying. And the Shark, Bruce Brown, is questionable with a knee problem. So we have to obviously worry about that. I don't know why it says Iguodala's out because he doesn't play for any of these teams. But anyway, that's fine. He's there erroneously. Um, what we want to watch, well, actually, what we do want to watch is Embiid, because he is questionable for Philadelphia. He was limping around with his foot at the end of the game on Wednesday against Brooklyn. Hopefully, the Thursday-Friday off has helped him, but the fact that he's questionable is a little worrying. So we've always got to keep a finger on the pulse of Montrez Harrell as a late-minute, late last-minute stream. That's what I'm trying to say. On the Nuggets side of things, we do want to watch Porter, because I wouldn't say that he's had a great season. In fact, he hasn't. He's definitely had a bad season, for a fantasy perspective, at least. Is there any upside left in him. It doesn't feel like it. I feel like he caps out at 30 minutes. He plays 29 minutes. He's a points and threes guy without anything else. A lot of people have have dropped him. And you know what? It's not, it's not the wrong call. I, I think I would hold him because I know there is security in his role, but I'd like to see him do something like a little bit more than what we've been getting. Like it's been nothing that we've been getting. Like give us something more. And then I also watch the five minute man, Bones Highland. I don't believe there's any justification for holding him in a 12 team league but maybe he changes my mind. He's more of a 14 to 16 team league guy, I think. And there were a lot of big hopes for him as a breakout guy this season. And that clearly has not come to fruition. And I don't think it's going to come to fruition. In Philadelphia, one of the biggest things we're going to watch for the entire day really is watching the wave pool D'Anthony Melton because he's played 30 minutes in three straight games. One of those was without Embiid and Harden, but the other two weren't. And last game, he was really, really strong, playing 34 minutes as he and Maxi both got over 30 and PJ Tucker was limited. 30 minutes for Melton is a clear 12-team league player. Points league, it's borderline, right? But category league, he's a must-hold player, must-roster player until we see a continued pattern of 22 minutes. And then it becomes iffy. This is why we like to hold to see what happens, to see where the minutes go, because we know that the value is there in him. And it has reverted back to him getting big minutes and putting up strong production. I also want to watch the thick Hogsman, Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Yeah. He's dropped off a little bit. Again, a lot of what he did the first 40 games was with these really weird defensive stats. He's been on my sell-high list a lot. Probably some would say too much. 
but we always want to keep evaluating. Where is he fitting? Where is he in the pecking order? Can he hit 20% usage? Can those high defensive stats continue? I remain very skeptical. The Knicks and the Nets is the next game we take a look at. No spread or total available at this point. Benny Simmons, after leaving last game early with a knee soreness, is questionable. Dayron Sharp is questionable. Mitchie Robinson is out. Kevin Durant is out. TJ Warren is listed doubtful. And Seth Curry, who sat out last game, is off the injury report, so he should be ready to go. While Eddie Sumner has a little bit of soreness in his Achilles, he should be okay to play. He's listed probable. For the Knicks, we're seeing a relatively clear pattern of Jericho Sims being the minutes guy there. You just made the list! over Isaiah Hartenstein. There was that one weird game against Cleveland where they sort of split minutes, but otherwise it's been 28, 33, 32 minutes for Sims, 17, 15, 15 for Hartenstein. That makes Sims a perfect 12-team league guy if you want rebounds, field goal percentage with blocks. He doesn't do anything else. Like he took one shot last game, but he will bring those other categories. And that makes sense in fantasy leagues, if that's what you need. I also want to watch uh, Grimey. This briefcase and this haircut. Because I think I'm out. In fact, I know I'm out. I don't think he's a 12-team must-roster player. There's no worries with holding him because he's got a strong 34-minute game, 35-minute-a-night game. That's totally okay. And he might have some good games where he shoots 60% and gets you 14 points with four threes. That's true. But the continued nothingness of what he produces, the low usage, the fluctuating percentages, the up-and-down counting stats, I don't think it's enough to justify an absolute rock-solid hold. Again, we always want to look at this. If he is your worst player, he is eminently droppable. If he's not your worst player, if he's your 10th best player, your roster's looking sickly. But if he's your 10th best player, then you don't need to drop. But if he's 12th or 13th, then yeah, see you later. Like there's, there's no reason to hold on to someone who appears in this situation to have pretty limited upside. For the Nets, I do want to watch Seth Curry because he seems like he has established himself ahead of Warren, ahead of Harris, and ahead of O'Neal as the guy to replace Durant. I wouldn't feel particularly confident about it. It's a points and threes guy who might get three or four assists. If Simmons is out, it might help his uh, assist numbers a little bit there too. But I do want to watch what Curry is able to do and if he can establish himself as that player. I also want to watch Nick Claxton because he is on a run of all runs. What I'm more impressed with is he's playing just gigantic minutes. He was at a run of playing 27, 28 minutes, and now it's like 36 a night. And he's you know, putting up 20-point scoring nights because he's missed like three shots for the whole week. That is going to drop off, right? The, what I want to more watch is usage. Does it hover 18 or does it go back to 15? And do the minutes stay at 35 or do they go back to 30? That's how we establish whether he's going to be able to maintain that level of value that he's been producing so, so well for us. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and the 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to screen and rate applicants based on the job qualifications all on one platform. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Do you reckon I could have said LinkedIn Jobs more in that ad read? I don't think I could have. 
Let's go to the next game. It is the Bulls and the Magic. This is a back-to-back for your and my and our Orlando Magic. The Bulls are two-point favorites. In terms of injuries, Lonzo is out. Javante Green is out. Shumari KK will be out. The yokai John Isaac is sitting out on Friday. He's out for injury management, so he will return and play on Saturday. We'll see what his minutes are like. He had a 10-minute limit the first two games. It probably goes to 12, but who knows? We'll wait and see where that one sits. Um, on the bull side of things, I want to watch the Alex Caruso, Ayodesumu, Kobe White run. We know what Caruso is. Steals. If you need them, they're great. If you don't, he's useless. He occasionally gets some blocks. He occasionally gets some assists, but realistically, it's steals. That he brings. And when you're not sitting at 28, 29 minutes, it's hard to recommend him as a must-roster player across all formats. He's a guy that has more specialized value um, for those certain categories. Now, Goran Dragic has missed the last three games. He is likely to return, and that could put a kink in the Melton. Oh, Melton. Jesus Christ. The Bulls wish they had Melton. Caruso, Desumu, White, Triumvirate. Adding Dragic to that mix hurts it. I also want to Zach Levine, because let's be honest, he's been pretty bad from a real-life perspective, and his fantasy output has suffered as well. Is it his knee? Is it his jammed up thumb that he's complaining about? Is it that he doesn't give a shit on defense? Is it all of the above? I don't know. I'd like to see him turn some of it around, but he has been quite disappointing. I don't think I've got Zach Levine on any of my teams this season, but if you do have him, I'm sure you've been disappointed outside of maybe a small stretch where he played pretty well. Rockets, Pistons, this will be absolutely whatever the opposite of much must-watch TV is. Two teams that absolutely are horrendous to watch. Maybe they play up to each other or down to each other and we get something good. I doubt it. On the Houston side of things, we're not going to see Jalen Green. He is out after getting kicked in the calf last game. KPJ is out as well, old cousin Kevin Porter. Well, Eric Gordon and the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate, are set to return. So what their rotation is going to be is going to be pretty wild. On the Pearson side of things, there's no Corey Joseph. Shame. There's no Marvin Bagley either. So on the Rockets, like who is going to... We know KJ Martin's going to start for Porter. Who's going to start for Jalen Green? Is it Josh Christopher? Is it Jay Sean Tate? Is it Garrison Matthews? Is it Ty Ty Washington? Who the hell is going to be their point guard? Is it Gulp? I, I, sh- I, am, I am shit scared, to be honest. Are they going to start Dacian Nix as their point guard? Because they did that once. It was disgusting. Um, I'm very, very worried that that's the direction they're going to go. Oh, God. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to stream him, but I, I'd be worried. So I do want to watch KJ, who's putting up good numbers. Now, I again, I will stress this, and we always want to watch it. What the hell are Tari Eason's minutes? Because they they feel almost entirely tied to Jabari Smith. Last game, Smith played 19 minutes. So guess who played 26? Tari Eason. The games before, Smith was out. Eason played 27 minutes. The games where Smith plays 30 minutes, Eason plays 17. It hasn't really mattered at all if any threes or twos or ones are out to impact Eason's minutes. So we always want to watch that. I also want to watch Josh Christopher, who started last game. He didn't really do anything. It's always good when you can play a scrub like Knicks more than Chris. Oh, no, no, it's unnecessary shade on Dacian Knicks. That's fine. He's not good. Uh, I'd like to see Christopher do something, but I feel like he's regressed significantly this season, Christopher. I-, I thought there was a big opportunity for him to step up, but when you're playing spuds like Garrison Matthews ahead of him, something has gone terribly wrong. On the Pearson side, there's a lot more to watch there. We want to watch to see what happens with old mate Alec Burks. Alec Burks. Does he continue to start? Last game, he started, played 30 minutes. Now, we have to realize he had 15% usage and shot 67% to provide those numbers, and that's obviously not realistic. right? If he's going to stay at 15 usage, which he might, he's not going to shoot 67%, so those numbers are going to come down. And does Killian Hayes play only 25 minutes? That's that's a key thing for us to watch as well. We also want to watch the depressed penis, Sadiq Bey, who's shooting really well at the moment. He has struggled with his shot for the majority of the season, but I do believe he will stick in the starting lineup and play 30 minutes, at least in the intermediate term. 
what they do with Isaiah Stewart's minutes. Do they keep Stewart at 20? Do they push Stewart to 25 or 26? Because that would impact Bay as well if they do. Watching that whole front court situation and the whole backcourt situation on this team is something for us to watch, remembering that they're going up against a destructively terrible defense in Houston. So there could be some big numbers that get put up, which might not be an indication of talent versus a lack of talent on the other side of the ball. Clippers-Hawks. This is the first of a back-to-back for the Clippers. Um, there's no one ruled out at the moment. But we do have to watch the status of Paul George, Luke Kennard, and Kawhi Leonard. Actually, that's not true. I don't know why I've got John Wall. John Wall's out. Forget that. John Wall is out. Um, I expect one of or, or two of George, Leonard, and, and Kennard to be out, but I don't know. They're all, they, I would expect that George, Kennard, and Leonard only play one of the Friday, or sorry, of the Saturday, Sunday games. I just don't know which one at this point. And then DeAndre Hunter is questionable for the Hawks after missing the last two due to an asthma attack. Bob Covington's been putting up really good numbers. And there is a chance for that to continue over the weekend. Oh my God, there was a chance. And now I've just seen he's been ruled out, the big fella. Oh my God. All right, so Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not on the injury report. Luke Kennard is not on the injury report either. Um, Marcus Morris is questionable with his rib issue. So are they all going to sit on Sunday against the Cavs? Kawhi, Paul George, and Kennard? Are they going to play in the back-to-back? I don't know what to think now. This just got updated. Huh. So Covington's out. So I had a whole spiel about Covington on yesterday's show talking about, like, he's been really good, but how the hell does he play 20 minutes on a healthy team? And now he's the one that's out. So, yeah. But if we assume that Kawhi and Paul George, or Kawhi or Paul George, are out on Sunday, Covington's going to be a stream for Sunday. So we'll just keep that in mind. Ugh, I also want to Zubats, whose production has fallen away a little bit. I do still think he's a 12-team league player, but he's obviously not hitting those top 50 heights that he was to begin the season as things have a little bit normalized more in the rotation. For the Hawks, I do want to watch Bogdan Bogdanovic, who I don't believe is a must-roster player, but probably should be rostered. And now with DeAndre Hunter off the injury report, so that, that's just come through as well. Where do, where do we sit with um, Bogdanovic's minutes? Because he played big minutes last game with Hunter um, out. And how does his usage look with DeAndre back? I also want to watch Okongwu, who only played 20 minutes last game. He was still productive, but can he be productive enough to maintain a roster spot while Capella's playing 28 and 29 minutes? I feel like he's moved back into that, yeah, we're just holding in case of an injury, Tyus Jones style, and that's not going to be something that's useful for everybody. The Kings and the Wolves. It is a back-to-back for Minnesota. Um, Gobert is listed questionable. Again, that's for for Friday's game. So you've got to think there's a risk of Gobert sitting one of the two games against Memphis or Sacramento Friday, Saturday. Um, Torian Prince is out, so we'll put him questionable. for He's out Friday, we'll put him questionable for Saturday. And we know Towns and McLaughlin are out. And the Kings, despite having that injury to Sabonis, they have had one of the cleanest injury reports all season. They've just, there's so many times where you look at them and go, no one's hurt. They've had, they've had a really good run with injuries. We hope they don't get struck down with them, but they have had a very good run with injuries so far. On Sacramento, we do want to watch the two forwards, Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes. Both of those guys have had some very hot shooting of late, and I still worry about them because they produce very little outside of that. There's no real assist from either of them. Their steals and blocks are usually pretty poor, especially Barnes. Um, Their rebounds, Murray had a nice little stretch, but they can drop off. And if they're not hitting their shots at 46% from three, what are they doing? And in the past, when Murray has had little cold streaks, he just gets pulled and plays 27 minutes. That is a real concern for the overall consistency of value of both of these players. With the way they're going at the moment, yes, they should be 12-team lead players. And the more we head towards the fantasy playoffs, that value of their minutes becomes more important. 
but I still think they're overperforming what we're going to expect from them later on in the year. On the Wolves, it is a back-to-back, but the Gobert situation is definitely something that we need to watch. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads and player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. If we go and have a look at Championship Week, it's our daily check-in. Who was favorite between the Chiefs and the Bengals? It is actually held tight. The Chiefs are still one and a half point favorites. Wow. This has had some wild swings. You're not going to be stunned to know the Eagles are two and a half point favorites. That's the same every single day. But the Chiefs appear to be locking in as favorites. And you can check all of the odds, all of the plays, all the props for championship week in the NFL on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanjul.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanjul, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Suns and Spurs. The Suns are six-point favorites against whatever this disaster of a squad is in San Antonio. And I just, I don't want to talk about San Antonio. I will, because I have to, but I just don't want to, because they're annoying me a lot at the moment. We know Booker's out, Campaign is out, Langford is out for San Antonio, as is Devin Vassell. We don't know about Jock Landau, Jock Landale, who left last game, um, late in the game and never returned. Landry Shamet with whatever the hell is going on with his foot. Jeremy Sohan's fake injury and Josh Richardson's fake injury. So we don't know the status of those guys. I'm expecting... Expecting that both Sohan and Richardson play, and I'm expecting that Shamit doesn't. On the Suns, we do want to watch Cam Johnson, absolute must roster player. Must roster across every format. Must roster. Must roster, yeah? We, we get that. We're okay with that. We're settled in that. Cam Johnson's a must roster player, but we want to watch him because he only had like 18% usage last game. He's an unbelievable shooter. I don't know if he's got the upside to bring you know, significant defensive stats all the time or get to the line a ton or bring assists, but his ability to score and hit threes and do it efficiently has real value. Like you think of him as a better Michael Porter Jr. at this point, I think, uh, in the season. Also watch Mikhail Bridges, who one of his calling cards used to be efficiency and it's not there. It's fallen way off. Maybe this is the Booker absence thing. But they also have been leaning a little bit heavily on, more heavily on him usage-wise with assists, and it is impacting his overall game. And one of those things you could rely upon him was to have 50% plus field goals, and that hasn't been the case. Can we see that turn around? Or are we going to get these consistent 42-43% shooting nights? For the Spurs, let's watch Jakob Pertl. Let's, watch, let's be annoyed with it. Let's see if we can get more to add on to a buy-low trade option for him. And let's see what they do. His minutes, the last five games, 22, 24, 16, 23, 22. I mean, like, cool. I don't get it. Are they preserving him for a trade? What does 23 versus 27 minutes mean? It's not like it's it's not like he's winning them games by being out there. The last time he played good minutes, they lost by 13 to the Kings. So I don't really understand it. But we want to see how... Also watch Cater Bates-Diop, who's probably going to continue to start over Romeo Langford. He can be an interesting steals guy with some points. He can have efficiency problems and, and lack of assists, but there's at least some deeper league streaming stuff for Bates-Diop in his new role as a short-term starter. Wizards-Pelicans. The Pelicans are four and a half point favorites here. We know that Zion is out. Oh, it's so annoying I don't get to play this enough. I'm the biggest bird. I'm the biggest bird. Oh, yeah. As the kids would say, I'm vibing. Dyson Daniels also out. Um, Monte Morris is questionable for the Wizards after missing last game with a hamstring problem. While um, I swear to God, I was drunk when I was doing this. Porzingis is not questionable. Porzingis is out. I've just put him in the wrong column. 
I've lost my mind today. Porzingis is out, not questionable. For the Wizards, we do want to watch Denny Avdia because he's played 32 and 32 minutes and, and 30 the last two games. Right, that is really solid. One game was very good. One game was sub good. He, he is a 12-team short-term guy at least. I think that his value drops when Porzingis returns. But for now, we like what he does. Um, I also want to watch Kendrick Nunn, who had a, a huge game last time out. Was that due to Monte Morris's absence? I would think so. But can he establish a role ahead of Fart and Will Barton? And do I care for majority of leagues? This answer to that second part is no. But maybe I could change my mind. Maybe that game, which was really strong from Nunn, yeah, triggers him into something better. I've seen Nunn play for a lot of times. The reason he was able to even crack even the possibility of mentioning him as a fringe 12-team league guy back in Miami is because he's playing 31 minutes a night and getting a lot of usage. And it's just not likely to happen on this team. So, but we do want to watch. On the Pelican side of things, Trey Murphy, how does the minutes go with him versus Najee Marshall? Because it wasn't good last time out. Is this going to be where he plays 26 versus 30 and him and Najee share the minutes? Because that makes him a drop. But don't drop, because we'll talk a little bit later on about why we want to hold on to Trey. We'll talk about that soon. Spoiler, it's the schedule. Um, and then we also want to watch Brandon Ingram, who was back. He started. He shot 20%, but he's back. Well, hopefully, we get a little bit better production from Ingram. But this is a first of a back-to-back for the Pelicans, so Ingram probably going to sit on the game on Sunday. We haven't heard any anything to say he's going to sit this first game here against Washington. Lakers-Celtics. The Celtics are seven-point favorites here. Marcus Smart will be out. Reeves and Walker for the Lakers, unlikely um, to play from my last update. Well, there you go. Um, uh, Reeves is actually out. That's been confirmed. Well, Walker is questionable, and LeBron has popped back up as questionable as well. On the Lakers, we do want to watch Rui Hachimura, who had a solid outing in his first game. A very Hachimura line was at 12-6 and six with a three. That's just what, it's what he does. He played 22 minutes. Will he? What will his minutes look like? Can he push to 26 Will he stay as a 22-minute guy? This is all very key in determining where his value is as we move forward. I also want to watch the tank, Tom Bryant, because while it is a drop for Tom, much like with Trey Murphy, there's three games in four nights coming up for the Lakers. There's a back-to-back, so Davis will probably sit one of them. So you might get, and Davis is going to come off the bench, so you might get 23 minutes for Bryant, 23 minutes for Bryant, 29 minutes for Bryant. One ad, three games, four nights. It's why you know, we just got to always looking at the schedule because long-term, in three weeks' time, like if you drop him now, you won't regret it, regret it, right? But if you can hold for three, four more days, there's a little bit extra to squeeze out of the Thomas Bryant juice ball. Juice ball? That's pretty rude. Anyway, for the Celtics... I want to watch Derek White, who played fewer minutes than Malcolm Brogdon last game, despite Marcus Smart being out. We want to watch the White and Brogdon minute split. It doesn't look like it's trending that well for White long-term. And again, when we're talking long-term stuff, Derek's not likely to be a 12-team league guy, but he is for now. I also want to watch Rob Williams, who, again, is not at the same level as last season, but he played 36 minutes last game. He, We have to remember his numbers from last year, 10 rebounds, 10 points, 2.2 blocks, and like a steal. Right, that's that is what brought him to the value that he had last season. He wasn't at eighteen and twelve. He wasn't blocking four shots. He was ten and ten. So when he has thirteen and nine with two blocks and three assists, it's about the same. And when those low volume numbers, like blocks, like steals, and even percentages on low attempts, they become so highly variable. That rankings can, if we're if we're just completely tied in on rankings and looking at where a player ranks, it it just completely ruins your fantasy basketball brain. It, it does because you look well. Rob Williams is fifteenth. Well, 
yeah, but no, right? So, and Rob Williams is now 100th. What's that based on? Like half a steal and 0.3 blocks and one rebound, and that's dropped him that much? Like, is that really that much of a difference? And we get caught up on that stuff. Do not drop... I think my major point is, for the love of God, do not drop Robert Williams. For the love of God. Mavs and Jazz. Um, Christian Wood will be out. Kleber will be out. Kelly Olenek looks like he'll be out, but it looks like he's going to return really soon. So that's very interesting news. And we got confirmation for the Jazz that Walker Kessler will continue to start over Jared Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt will not go back into the starting lineup unless uh, you know injuries. But for the short term, Kessler's going to start when Olenek returns. Um, Luka Doncic looks to have avoided major injury. He's listed day-to-day with that um, ankle sprain. I would expect there's a chance that he sits this one out. Um, we do want to watch Spencer Dinwiddie, who put up some really big performance or big performance against the Suns in that win. He's a chance to really, if Doncic does miss, to go really big. And the other one to watch is Josh Green, who's played 32, 29, 32, 32 the last three games. One of those was without Doncic. The other one wasn't. Now, he is not a particularly strong permanent fantasy producer, Josh Green. In fact, he's probably one of the worst permanent fantasy producers in the league. Shout, shout out to his teammate, Reggie Bullock. But if you are in a deeper format with the potential that Doncic sits, I was going to say there would be extra usage to go around. There was last game and Green didn't take it, but he got the extra minutes. And there's something in that just for those deeper formats versus as a 12-team guy. For the Jazz, we do want to watch Walker Kessler because his production has dropped a little bit over the last couple of games. Um, Even though he will continue starting, is it 25 minutes? Is it 29? That's something to watch. And then also Colin Sexton, who is scoring well, but... 20 and 22 minutes doesn't cut it for me as a 12-team league player. And unless there's a trade of Mike Conley, I don't think the baton is getting passed over to Con- for Sexton to be the 30-minute starter and Conley to be his backup. I'd be very, very doubtful of that occurring. Raptors-Blazers. Last game to talk about. The Blazers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. It's a back-to-back for Toronto, so we want to see if anything happens with Van Vliet and Ananobi and Siakam and whether those guys actually play or not. For Portland, we don't have an update on the injured guys. I've listed Josh Hart as out. That is not officially confirmed. I don't believe Josh Hart will play. Um, Winslow is officially out. And then Yusuf Nurkic, we don't have that update on him with his calf issue. I would say, if again, I had to guess, and this is what I'm putting here, Hart out, Nurkic in is my guess, but I don't know that. So I want to watch the two potential replacements. Nasir Little, who would start for Hart. Would he be a 12-team ad? Eh, I don't think so. Close, but I don't think so. Eubanks, yes, absolutely would be a 12-team ad if Nurkic is out. And if you're going to take a fly, even though I think Hart is out and I think Nurkic is in, I'd still prefer to add Eubanks over Little because the upside of him being a top 50 guy, even if it's for one game, is better than Little maybe being the 150th best player in one game if Hart is out. In terms of streaming, it's the Pelicans and the Clippers who have got the Saturday-Sunday back-to-back, so we can look at those players there. In terms of streaming in for Saturday, it's going to be tough. There are 11 games on, but you can do it, and these are the guys we want to target. They're available in over 50% of leagues. We look at a couple of big men up top, Jericho Sims and Dan Gafford. Gafford should be rostered in every league. Uh, Alec Burks and DeLon Wright when you're looking for guards. Denny Avdia, Terrence Mann, especially if we do get someone resting. It doesn't appear we will on Saturday, but the value of Mann would bump in that situation. Royce O'Neal, despite some of his stinking performances, is a stream option. And Pat Williams, he's probably more than a streamer, but he's available in over 50% of leagues at the moment. For deeper formats, um, Bob Covington, I had him on that list, and now obviously he's been ruled out in the middle of me recording, so scratch that. Nasir Little, Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell might even push to 12-team league value, to be fair. He's had a couple of really strong games lately. Gaz Payton and Drew Eubanks, who's also a 12-team league guy. Eubanks, Joshy Green, Nico Batum, and Derek Jones Jr., 
we look at points league, guys, these are available in over 60% of leagues. You've got Kyle Anderson. What are we doing? Please add him. Uh, Alec Burks, Avdia, Gafford, Mann, Timmy Hardaway. Hardaway, if Doncic misses, is going to see a ton more usage. So I like that one. And then Little and Achua could be 12-team points league stream options. If we're looking for the next four days, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the only high-volume day is Saturday with 11 games. Then you've got three low guys in a row. So if we look at those next four days, who has the value? Well, no one plays three low-volume games because no one plays back-to-back-to-back. So the guys that we can get some extra value out of because they play two low volumes, Tommy Bryant has two, and that's a back-to-back with Davis likely sitting. Trey Murphy has two, and Ingram might sit one of those. Larry Nance has two. He's not a high upside player particularly, but some good schedule there. Grayson Allen, always risky with Grayson, but yeah, there is something there to get the two games in. Vic Oladipo, I like. Nico Batum, always a risky one with him as well. Najee Marshall, um, the absence of Ingram likely boosts him in at least one of those games. And then the big fella in Charlotte, which is always a risky suggestion. Oh, hi, Mark. Because it could just go straight back to Nick Richards in one of the games. But Mark Williams is worth a look. If you look at the next four days in totality, when we're looking to maximize games played versus um, waiver ads, these first six guys are all players who should be rostered and startable regardless of how many games are on. Kyle Anderson, two games in the next four nights. Doesn't matter. He's got to be rostered. Brandon Clark's only got one game, but I think he's got to be someone you add. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, one game, but he's an add. Um, the Bronco, Jalen Williams, only one game, but he's an ad. Jericho Sims, two games. Dan Gafford, two games. And DeLon Wright, two games over the next four nights. All of those guys, I think, are worthy of a 12-team roster spot. And then we look at Thomas Bryant, who's got three games in the next four nights, one of those without Anthony Davis. So there is a little bit of value in holding through those three games. And the same goes with Trey Murphy. We expect Ingram to miss one of the games. Maybe he gets 27 minutes a night over three nights in the next four days or three games in the next four days. And there's a little bit of value in holding on through that. And that... We'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.